All right. So uh, tonight, Demir Hashem, we will pick off where pick up where we left off uh, last week. Uh, we are talking about this. Uh, what I think is this amazing piece, this amazing essay from Shimshon David Pincus with regards to the purpose of Judaism. That's really what uh, what it comes down to. And much of what he talked about the last week, what we studied last week, was this idea that Yiddishkeit was set up. Akash Baruch Hu, uh, chose Chayesel. He created a bris. He created a covenant with uh, the Jewish people. And the purpose of the bris, and this is something which, when we left off last week, uh, we, we saw uh, relatively quickly, where Rafinkas pointed out that every time Akash Baruch Hu promises the Avos that there's going to be this uh, that there's going to be something in store for them and their descendants, it never mentioned anything about Torah and mitzvahs. It always mentioned Eretz Yisrael. That was what the Hakash Baruch Hu keeps mentioning. And the reason why that's so, explains of Pincus, is because everything is all about the relationship. That that's really what the, the Iker is. And he used the example, the reason why Akash Baruch Hu says Eretz Yisrael, why he keeps emphasizing that, is the same way that a Hasna Kala may talk about building their home together, that they're going to build a house, not that the house is the Iker. The point isn't to be able to share a residence together. They re- really, the point is to have relationship together, but the home is where the relationship is going to take place. So in the same way, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to, uh, to call yourself, really what I want is a relationship, but we need a place where that relationship is going to be able to thrive, and that's going to take place in Eretz Yisrael. That was one point which uh, Pincus emphasized uh, w- that we saw last week. And the second point I just want to review and emphasize again is the idea that the, our purpose in doing Torah mitzvahs, just like Chazal say that we're not supposed to do mitzvahs, Amenas lekabel pras on condition that we should be rewarded. That's not the goal; is to be rewarded for the mitzvahs. He t- the uh, Shimshon uh, Pincus takes it a step further, and he says that somebody who does think that by doing mitzvahs, that's how you're going to earn goodness from God, as if there's some sort of negotiation taking place, or as if there is a, I give you a little bit, you give me back, I scratch your back, you scratch my back. And therefore, when we want more from God, we'll do more in order to get more. So Pinka says that that's not a relationship. That is an employment agreement. That is a partnership agreement. That is a business type of arrangement. And Akash Baruch Hu does not want to have a business type of arrangement with us. Ultimately, what he wants is he wants the uh, he wants a, a relationship. This is a part which Rapinkas doesn't mention, but I think it fits in very well with uh, with the, this principle. And if you remember that by the Tochacha. One of the things that we read in the uh, in the rebuke that God gives to the Jewish people in the consequences of not fulfilling the mitzvahs. So as an introduction to that, HaKadosh Baruch Hu talks about what happens when you serve Hashem, but it's not from Simcha. Why is Simcha such an essential part of Avodah Hashem? Who cares what emotion you're experiencing? Whether you like it or not, it doesn't make a difference. Uh, the IRS doesn't care whether you're happy or sad when you pay your taxes. Just pay your taxes. IRS doesn't care whether you're happy or, or the, the government doesn't care whether you're happy or sad when you go ahead and... Um, you know, comply with traffic law. You could be yelling and screaming, kicking and screaming as you do so, or you could go ahead and you could skip to my Lou, uh, my darling, skip to Lou, my darling, when you go ahead and do so. It doesn't make a difference. The emotion is an irrelevant part of it. We need compliance. But HaKash Baruch Hu says that for me, capital M, HaKash Baruch Hu says, for me, it's not enough that you do mitzvahs. I want you to be able to do mitzvahs besimcha. 
And the reason why it's so essential for Akash Baruch that we should do mitzvahs besimcha is because if we're besimcha, that says something about the relationship. That means that what we're doing to build the relationship is something that we're happy to do because we value the relationship. If somebody does what needs to be done, but they're kicking and screaming and they're sad and they have a frown on their face, so that just means that I'm more powerful than you and I'm able to force you into compliance but that doesn't indicate that there's anything uh, in terms of a meaningful relationship between the two parties. It just means that you're doing what you have to do. Most people don't do homework happily. Most students don't do homework happily. They do it because they have to do it. They have to get it. They have to get it done. But Baruch says that's not enough for me because for me it's not the it's not the performance of the mitzvah per se which is what's essential, which is what's most important. But what's most important is the relationship building that the mitzvahs indicate that they that they support. And that's ultimately what Takarish Baruch Hu wants. Okay, so that is a summary of what we did last week. So now we'll pick up with where we left off. Uh, hopefully that's not on your screen. Looks good. Looks good. Okay, let me get it on the correct screen for me. So it doesn't look like I'm staring down all the time. Okay, so we pick it up from this uh, this bottom paragraph over here, where we say, um, yeah, so we say, Hatsura Hayesodit Shal Hayehudi. So what is the, the most fundamental, the most foundational aspect of what it means to be a Jew? Who So this is very often defined by somebody who davens three times a day, or davens regularly, we'll say, and somebody who over the course of the day recites 100 brachos. This is something which is considered to be uh, uh, an important pursuit over the course of the day is not just to daven, but to also say the uh, 100 brachos. The 100 brachos isn't as, as many as you think. Because once you include Shmon and you include the regular parts of Daving or whatever, so you get pretty close to that uh, pretty uh, pretty quickly anyways. But he says, now he points out, it's such an important uh, idea. Lo kula masmidim belimud. Not everybody is capable of sitting 20 hours a day and studying Torah. Believe it or not, not everybody is a chazunish. Not everybody is a chaim kanievsky. Aval kol yehudi nichnas abes hakesas umispalel umivarach amazono. But everybody should have the capacity, by and large, to go ahead and daven regularly and to make brachas when you eat food. This is something which is a universal uh, uh, aspect of our existence. Mamish And this is literally like a couple. We're going to see, he's going to keep coming back to this mashal of a, uh, a couple. Shetamid yeshsicha v'tikshoret b'neim. Because a happily married couple, so there is regularly conversations and connections which are being made between the two of them. They'll text each other, they'll leave voice notes, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll talk, you know, at least once a month, whatever it is. So it's, uh, you know, if they're not too busy. So these are things which, are, which happen. And he says, So here, Pincus points out that davening and saying brachas is an essential feature of a Jew. And shockingly, that's why he says nifla. It's amazing. Shockingly, davening and brachos are not mitzvahs in the Torah. 
The Torah does not mandate that we should say brachos. A tefillah, some sort of tefillah, yes. But brachos in Shmon Esri, like we have it, these are not mandated by the Torah. The Torah doesn't say that you have to say a bracha before eating. The Torah says you have to bench. That the Torah does say. But otherwise, the hundred brachos which we strive to say over the course of the day, this is something which Chazal find a hint to that in the Psukim, in the Torah itself. But it's not something which anybody holds is a daraisa. But rather, these are enactments which are put in place either by the Avos, Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov, Shachris, Minchamarv, or are put in place by Chazal in order to correspond to the morning korban, the afternoon korban, and the burning of the leftover limbs and fats at night. But he says it's exactly Kimohaksuva, that the, the, this nature, the, the idea that Kosh Baruch Hu did not mandate that we go ahead and we daven three times a day and that we recite 100 uh, brachas every day, it's very similar to Aksuva. What does that mean? He says, Shisham kosvin habal minadin. So the Aksuva contains the obligations that the husband is accepting upon himself in marriage. What his financial responsibilities, all of those things, all the things which he's obligated to do, those are. And you could wonder if the ksuba is supposed to be this romantic document, which is going to capture the love and the affection and the foreverness and all of those things, which is taking place uh, when they get married. Why doesn't the ksuba say that the couple will speak with one another half an hour a day? Okay, I know that's a lot. 15 minutes a day, five minutes a day, five minutes a week. That this ksuba doesn't say anything at all about the conversation, how much conversation it should take place between the couple. Because Ella And the reason why that's so is because speaking with one another is not an obligation which is created by the relationship. You have a relationship and therefore you have to go ahead and talk to one another. The same way we say you have a marriage and therefore you have to provide food and you have to provide clothing and you have to provide shelter. Those are consequences of the relationship. But speaking to one another, that's not a chiyuv. That's not an obligation which is generated by the relationship. Ella That is the relationship. So you can't obligate, the relationship can't obligate a relationship. The relationship by its very definition is that there's a relationship. And relationship means that they are conversing with one another. They're, they're, they're talking with one another, having conversation. And actually the opposite would be true. In the event that the conversation stems from the fact that one feels obligated to have that conversation, there is no value. The conversation which is going to be meaningful is going to be something which emerges naturally by virtue of the closeness with that the couple feel to one another. And we've told the story in the show before about the, uh, the the newlywed who brings flowers home the first Shabbos after his, uh, after the chasa, and his wife is so excited that she got the, that he got her flowers, and she's cutting it, putting it on the table. She says they're beautiful. They were so thoughtful of you. And he says, Yeah, my Rosh Hashiva told me that every Shabbos I have to bring flowers. So that takes all the excitement out of it. <laughs> then they have no value anymore if it's being done because it's perceived as an obligation. Then it has no meaning. Then it doesn't create a relationship. V'chein hatzfilos in the similar thing. On the Daraisa level, Tfilos Bo Mikoch Yisrael Atzmam. Tfilos were not something Akash Baruch Hu could mandate and say, I insist that you daven three times a day. 
Because Baruch Hu insists that we have a private conversation with him three times a day, then what's the value of that conversation? It's forced, and it's something which we don't have a choice to do because we're afraid what the consequences are going to be. That's not a meaningful conversation. So Kodesh Baruch Hu didn't command tefillah, and Chazal, and on their own, B'nai Yisrael came along and said, you know what, we value our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu so much that we're going to institute tefillah because it's something which is valuable. And the reason why they instituted it was, because they wanted to reinforce the bond that exists between Klal Yisrael and HaKadosh Baruch Hu throughout the day. And that's why we begin with Modani. As soon as the first thing that we do when we wake up is we say Modani. Throughout the day, we're davening and we're saying brachas as we eat, before we eat, after we eat, we use the bathroom, we daven chakras, min chamarv, all of those things. And the day ends with another brach, the bracha on going to sleep. So the day is entirely bookended by the relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's the way Chazal saw fit to go ahead and structure the day, that we should be constantly thinking about HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the relationship. Not to see it as a burden and a forced conversation. If it was going to be a forced conversation, God could have commanded that. But God didn't want a forced conversation. He wanted a natural conversation, which is meaningful because it's reflective of the value that we assign to the relationship itself. Okay. Now, in the next section over here, so uh, uh, Rapinkas goes out and quotes the Messias to Sharm. Now, if you remember the last thing that we did uh, before Tisha B'av, last larger thing which we did, was this uh, the introduction to, not the introduction, but the first chapter of the Messias to Sharm where he talks about Macho Vaso a person's obligation in this world. So we're not going to reread that. I'll just send you back to those, uh, those recordings if you want. I could uh, give you links to that. But he says, um, but one of the things which he talks about is this idea that come, coming from the mission of Perkelos, that this world is seen as a prose door, is seen as a, a lobby leading to the ballroom. So this world is just a hechitim, so it's just a means to be able to get to the primary place. But this world doesn't have, the, doesn't have inherent value to it. That's what the Messiah Shisham says. And points out Pinkis, Ulchar Mashram Midvarv, if you take literally what the Ramchal writes, what the Messiah Shashar writes, you could mistakenly think that the only purpose in this world is just because Olam Haba is on the other side. So there's no way to get from before birth into Olam Haba directly. There's no direct flight. There has to be a stopover somewhere. And the stopover happens to be what we call Olam Hazah. But Olam Hazah just means nobody considers Olam Hazah to be their destination. The only reason we're here is because that's the only way to get there. Right? I don't know if, if now at this point there are. But for many parts of the, of the world, you can't get a direct flight from where you are all the way to Australia. So for many people, they have to fly first to Los Angeles. From Los Angeles, then you can go ahead and you can go there. So when you're flying to Los Angeles, that's not your destination. That's just the, the only way to get to Australia is you got to go through some other city because you're not going to have a direct flight. But it sounds like from the Messiah Shashar, at least at first glance, that there is no purpose in this world at all other than just a stopover. Below, sheyesh botachlis latzma. But you may think that there's actually no purpose in this world whatsoever. It's just something that you got to do. 
But said, now that would undermine what Pinkus is saying, because he's saying that this world is all about the relationship that we build with Akarish Baruch Hu, and that relationship which we have with Akarish Baruch Hu, that's the entire purpose of our existence. So how on the one hand could we say our existence here on earth in what Akash Baruch Hu promised all of the Avos, all of those generations from Avram Avinu all the way through Moshe Rabbeinu was Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael, relationship, relationship, relationship. And then comes along the Ramchal and says, well, actually this world has no meaning whatsoever and it's just a lobby in order to be able to get to the, uh, to the, uh, to the, uh, to the ballroom. But, says Rupinkas, there's actually no contradiction at all. There are actually two different topics which don't confuse and don't allow them to overlap. One is Mahusachayim. Mahusachayim, I'm going to translate as the essence of life. And one is Tachlesachayim, is the purpose or the goal of life. So there's the essence of life, and then there's a purpose of goal in life. So now let's go ahead and let's break that down. Tachlesachayim, Yolam Haba. The purpose of life, the goal of life, ultimately is to get to Olam Haba. Olam Haba is the place we're going, we're going to sit in God's proximity, and we're going to be able to enjoy just being in his presence. So that's the goal. That's the ballroom. That's ultimately where we want to end up. And therefore, when we're talking about uh, temporal versus eternal, so Olam Haba is this eternal life an eternal life in proximity, in close proximity to God. So when you're talking about this destination of close proximity to God in something which is eternal, whatever's going on in this temporal world can't have any value because it's just passing, it's fleeting. So how could that possibly have any value? That's when we talk about the purpose of life. When we talk about vilu mahusachayim, when we talk about the essence of life, the essence of life in our existence here in this world is the essence of life is, which does take place here in this world, this is the relationship, the loving relationship that we have with the Creator. And the truth is, is that that final destination, how we're going to enjoy that final destination, is ultimately going to be a reflection of the relationship which we created with God while we're here. So the more time we spend building the relationship here, the more we'll be able to enjoy that final destination of Olam Abba in being in close proximity with God. And the relationship building stage, that happens here. We don't do relationship building in Olam Abba, that's where we enjoy the benefits of the relationship is going to be in Olam Haba. But the only place to be able to build that relationship is here in this world. Now he says, and now he recognizes, so it's like almost uh, funny that he makes a point of mentioning this, but he says, <laughs> He says, I know I'm giving a lot of muscles about marriage. What am I supposed to do? That's the uh, the best muscle that, uh, that we have to, uh, to do this. But he says that, that Chazal understood how how important, how vital the relationship we have with HaKadosh Baruch Hu is to such a degree that we know that when the uh, under a chuppah, 
when they call up the Masada Kedushin to go ahead and perform the Kedushin. So before the Chassan gives the ring to the Kal and says, Before that part, which is the actual Kedushin, the Rabbi goes out and makes a bracha beforehand. What's the text of that bracha? Sha'omrim, we say, Mekadesh Amo Yisrael, that Kadosh Baruch Hu sanctifies. I don't know how, how much, how many of you have paid attention to the words, but the words are Mekadesh Kadosh Baruch Hu sanctifies his Jewish nation, the Jewish nation which is his, through Chupin Kedushin. So we just hear the chuppah and kedushin part, and we say, oh, obviously we're making a bracha on the fact that there's a chuppah over there, the chassan's about to do kedushin. So we think that these two things go together, and that's why the bracha goes in there. But pay attention to what happens before chuppah and kedushin. That is, mekadish amo Yisrael, al yidei chuppah and kedushin. That means klal Yisrael is sanctified through chuppah and kedushin. Not only the marriage which is taking place now, but the dynamic of the relationship between God and the Jewish people is that of a marriage. And he says, according to many Rishonim, the marriage which took place between HaKadosh Baruch and Klai, so was at Har Sinai. And that was, what was the Chuppah? So we know that Har Kigigis Hayachuppah. We know Chazal say that HaKadosh Baruch lifted a mountain over Klai Yisrael's head. Granted, he threatened them and said, if you don't accept the term, I'm going to drop this on you. But there was a Chuppah overhead, which represented the creation of the relationship. God gave us the Torah, and he said, You guys are now going to be sanctified to me as a nation. So that is exactly what takes place. So that's why we always use uh, marriage as the model and as the example and the muscle for the relationship between God and the Jewish people, because they were specifically designed to work in parallel with one another. Everything which HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to understand, at some point, ultimately, we have to have a, a human earthly example of that before we can apply it to God. So before we could have this idea of a close, loving, intimate relationship with God, there has to exist on earth the potential for a close, intimate relationship with other people. And the closest, most intimate relationship is between husband and wife. And therefore, in order to give us a model and an example of what the ideal relationship with God is, so Akash Baruch Hu gives us an example in, I don't want to say the real world, but in our world that we can understand. Now he says, also very beautifully, he says, Being married, becoming married, is not the goal of the relationship. It's not about being married. The purpose of marriage is the perpetuation of generations. Talk about it in Shul also many times, that our most sacred task is to prepare things and prepare the next generation to be religious Jews. That's what we want more than anything else. The Hemshechadoros, that we should be a link in the chain. Talk about this by, by Yizker very often, that we are the link between the previous generation who's no longer with us, the future generation that's here or is coming. So we always want to see ourselves as this link in the chain. That's the purpose of what the marriage is about. About Etzem Hanesuin, so that's the goal of marriage, is to create that the continuity of generations. But marriage itself is defined by the affection and the connection which is created between the couple. And marriage is not simply a, 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 an investment in the future. It's not a business investment in order to be able to create a new generation, but it's about the relationship itself. 
mashal. He says, let me give you a mashal, uh, an absurd mashal, which will illustrate the point. So, the, he successfully, the Chasach successfully gave a ring to the Kala. They called up somebody who read the Ksuva. They called up seven other people who said the Sheva Brachas. They broke a glass. Uh, they broke a glass. They walked down from the Chuppah into the Yichurum. And the Chasach and the Kala reached the Yichurum. They've reached what they were striving for, which is their marriage. And then what does the Chasach do? Umotzi, he's, he's dating himself a little over here, but he says, Umotzi iton v'kari hachadashot. And he pulls out the newspaper, pulls out the Wall Street Journal, and puts up his feet and starts reading the newspaper. Back in the day when people read newspapers, an actual thing which you held in your hand, it's not just a phone with an article. And he says to the Kala, And when the Kala asks about it, he says, excuse me, what are you doing reading the paper now? What's, what's all the emotion about? What are you so, what are you so excited about? The main Simcha is it going to take place in the future when we have children. When it comes the day when we will have a baby boy, when we'll have our first son, and we'll give him a bris mila, on that day, then I'll be the simcha. Then I'll rejoice because that's the purpose. The purpose is to produce future generations. So when we actually have those future generations, then we'll celebrate them. There'll be a reason to dance. That's going to be the purpose. That's what we're getting married for, is to be able to have those future generations. And that's the time that we'll break out a jewel cake and then we'll finally celebrate. So what happens? Usually what happens when the chassan says that in the Yichudum is she goes running out to the rabbi right away and she says, I went out. I don't want to be with this. This guy's out of his mind. I don't know where he's coming from. I've never met him before, really. And this is just absurd. So why? Obviously, this is not uh, obviously this is not a correct attitude. However, you have to understand why, and that is nachon. It's true. The purpose, the goal, the the long term goal of the relationship is future generations. That may be true. That's a, that's hundred percent true. But what is the essence of the marriage? The essence of marriage is the relationship which is built. And that's really, so there's two different things. There's the mahus, the essence of what it is, and then there's the goal of what it's going to lead towards. Those are two very different parshas. And he says, and the same thing is going to be true with regards to our world. You want to know hatachlis? You want to know what the long-term goal of this world is? You're right. This Nesir is right. The long-term goal of this world is olam haba. Because this world is just the lobby in order to get to the main ballroom. But on the other hand, you want to know what's the mahus, what's the essence of this world. So the essence of this world is the chuppah, meaning the relationship which is which is created. And that is, this world should be seen as it's 120 years of a loving, caring relationship between you and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's the most, that's the essence of it. That's what we're supposed to be experiencing. There's the long-term goal, but what are you supposed to be experiencing in the moment? What you're supposed to be experiencing in the moment is that loving, close relationship and connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And he says, Sha'olamenu, because our world, Enu Inyan Mishari, as we said, our world is not a, a, um, a business deal, 
Liknos Esa'asi, that we're using this world as a means to acquire our future Olam Haba. This is not like putting money away from retirement so that when I retire, so I'll have a nice uh, sized nest egg so that I could go ahead and retire. That's not our purpose in this world over here. It's just to do things simply for the purpose of having that large retirement fund. And I'm going to skip all the pleasures of this world and I'm not going to spend any money or do anything because I want to make sure to have the largest nest egg that I possibly can. That's not supposed to be our focus. That's the, that's the long-term goal of this world. But it's not what we're supposed to focus on now. The what we're try the essence of everything which we're trying to accomplish, though that all of that takes place here. All of that is the activity for this world. to go ahead and to give life to the attachment to the connection we're supposed to have with God. And once we create that loving connection, that loving attachment to God, then eternity is going to follow from there. But eternity cannot come into existence without the loving relationship that we're supposed to forge and we're supposed to generate here in this world. And our primary focus is going to be not the long-term goal of what Olam Haba is. Our real primary focus is supposed to be in the here and now. We're supposed to be present, all of that, uh, you know, psycho, psycho, whatever. We're supposed to be present in the moment. And being present in the moment means we're enjoying the relationship we have with HaKadosh Baruch Hu now. Right now, that's the most important thing is the, is the power of now. To quote, uh, I forgot his name. <laughs> but the power of now. Now he says, Nachzor l'hapasam. He says, okay, now that we know what the goal is, so Baruch Hu, the, the long-term goal is going to be the bris, is going to be the covenant or the relationship which is created between ourselves, that we forge between ourselves and God. But now let's go back to, if you remember from last week, the uh, Rav Shem Shem Pincus had said that the most, I don't know about most important, but the psukim, which are going to capture for us most clearly and concisely, the goal were the psukim which introduced Matan Torah. Those psukim which come in Parshas Yisro, right before Matan Torah. So now he says, now he says, now we could go back and we could explore. Atem asher asisi so Hashem says, you, you, got, you yourselves saw what I did in Egypt. So why does Hashem have to go ahead and give us a, a, a reminder, give us a history lesson of what happened in Egypt as a means of introducing to us the uh, uh, Matan Torah? Just go ahead and give us the Torah. These are the laws. This is what I expect you to do. I expect you to do X, Y, Z, 248 mitzvahs. I expect you not to do X, Y, Z, PDQ, 365 mitzvahs. Zeuzeh. Just give me the laws. This is a legislature. Just give me the laws. Tell me what your expectations are, and I'll do them. Why do we need this preamble of that? You already saw what I did to Mitzrayim. What is that? That's a way of guilting us into feeling responsible to go ahead and do the mitzvahs? Is that why God goes that introduces that? So he says, no, not at all. He says, He says, let me give you the truth of the simple pshat of the psukim. He says, that when a when a relationship is forged, hadaver hayisodi biyoser shavitzona shall isha ladasu. He's talking about it from the the man's perspective, but he says when a man is creating a relationship with a, a woman in marriage, so the most important thing that the man must communicate to his wife is haim ichpas lo mimeni. 
she needs to know that I matter, I'm important to him. My ichpasli means like, what does it matter? What, what do I care? So the most important thing is for her to know that he cares that the relationship is something which is valuable to him. Ulai, any shava etzlo klum, perhaps I'm meaningless to him. Perhaps he doesn't, he's not machshav me, he doesn't think I'm important, he doesn't value me, he doesn't value the relationship. And those types of nagging fi- uh, uh, feelings and nagging thoughts, those could undermine the entire relationship. So therefore, HaKash Baruch as we're using this model of marriage, HaKash Baruch wants to make sure that we as Klal Yisrael know we matter to God. One of the things, if you've been paying attention for the past few months in Shul, that I've been emphasizing is how valuable we are to HaKadosh Baruch each one of us collectively as Kala Yisrael, and each of us individually, how valuable we are to God. This is an essential part. It's so important to know that we're valuable to God, that before God gives us a Torah, He says, let me explain to you how valuable you are to me. And the way I'm going to explain that is, remember what you saw that I did in Mitzrayim. So he says that we know the entire world belongs to God. And there's all sorts of bad things which can happen in this world. There's accidents, and people get sick, and there's uh, things which, are, which go wrong. But generally, that things go bad, but they are bad in rel- relatively. Some people, it's uh, it's beyond that, but is a general thing that there's bad, and then there's a uh, you know it's uh, it's within a a certain uh, scope of things. For some people, bad is when they go to Starbucks and they don't have any soy milk for their coffee, so their entire week is ruined because you know the soy milk is not there. But by and large, we we, we can survive those types of uh, those types of tragedies, small t tragedies. But he says, "Haim kara pam medina." But he says, "You think about it." Did it ever happen in the history of the world where in a country, an entire country, not just a country, but an entire empire, that that all of the water turned into blood? That's unheard of in, in world history, that an entire, let alone in, in any one body of water, but for all of the water of a country to suddenly turn into, into blood? That's absurd. As bad as things get, hurricanes and tsunamis and and blizzards and all sorts of terrible things which happen in the world, all sorts of weather tragedies coming from global warming or global weather disruption or whatever we call it nowadays. So at the end of the day, water always remains water. It could be in a storm. There could be a lot of water in a storm, but water is water. And in Egypt, an event occurred, which is never heard of in the history of mankind, when the water went ahead and turned into blood. And then he goes ahead and he counts. He says, the same thing happens with frogs, it's something which is unheard of in, in world history. The way lice uh, uh, impacted the Egyptians is something which is unheard of in, the, in world history. And the fact that wild animals are running around in highly populated animals. Can you imagine in Times Square, all of a sudden a bunch of wild animals are running around, actual animals, running around over there. That's something which is, uh, which is unheard of. So he says, Every one of the plagues, which you, Klai Yisrael, saw, every one of them goes way beyond the laws of nature. Nature doesn't allow for this. This doesn't happen in nature. If it happened in nature, we'd hear about it more than once in history. If it happens only once in history, you can't say that it's part of nature. So he says, Pashut. So why did this happen? So he says, amazing. He says, Pashut, Kiviyachol, Hotzio Osimina 
Hotsio Simin Akelim is, I think it's like Hebrew slang, where he said, it, it made me go out of my mind. I think that's what we would say in English. Coach Baruch says, what was happening over there, I completely lost it. God says, I did things in Egypt, which I never did before, and I never did since then. Think about it. When God got angry in the generation of Noah, so what did he do? He was pretty angry, right? But what did he do? He made a flood. Why not go ahead and make all the water turn into blood? Why not take away all of the water? So as angry as God became in that generation, and even with the need and the necessity to go ahead and destroy mankind and do sort of a soft return, he didn't change nature in the sense that all of the water turned into blood. But here, God, in a sense, quote unquote, went out of his mind and he turned the water into an, into blood and there's frogs everywhere. The Lama Alma. Why did Akash Baruch Hu do this? What made him go, quote-unquote, crazy? Because the Mitzrim were messing with my children. They're messing with you, Kla Yisrael. Somebody who messes with Kla Yisrael, it's like poking God in the eye. And that God has no tolerance for anybody poking him in the, in, in the eye. And he says, V'zua psicha rishona. This is the preamble, or this is the introduction to Matan Torah. You guys saw with your own eyes how much I value you, how precious you are to me, how protective I am of you. The same way a, a mother bear, a mama bear, is going to go out of her mind attacking whatever's in front between her and her baby, between her and her cubs, and it doesn't make a difference what it is. It'll destroy, she'll destroy a car, she'll destroy whatever it happens to be, and she'll just rip things open to shreds because they, they just go out of their mind, out of their kalim, when somebody messes with their cubs. So too, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, when the Mitzrim were abusing and torturing you and traumatizing you again and again and again, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, I completely lost it. Mashallah Abba. It's like a father. Adam Adin Vinachmad, he's very calm and very pleasant and never gets excited about anything, never raises his voice, wouldn't hurt a flea, all the wonderful things that you would say about such a person. But Umishu no But then his only son comes home and says, Billy, Billy Bob was bullying me today. So what's this? calm, congeal, never get excited father going to do when he finds out that Billy Bob is bullying his son? Oyvei for Billy Bob. Billy Bob is in big trouble. Because he's going to behave in a manner which is completely inconsistent with his general conduct. Because he, he loses it. He's going to go out of his mind when he finds out that somebody is messing with his beloved only son. Shalasa came Yamav, something he's never done in his lifetime. He's gonna punch the guy in the nose. He's never punched anybody in the face before, let alone broke a nose or did anything like that. Again, the guy couldn't hurt a flea. What doesn't even hurt, doesn't even kill spiders, picks them up and walks them outside and puts them down gently. He's uh, the, the, the nicest person that you could ever meet in a dark alley. But what happens? He gets he loses it. Wait too much modern Hebrew for me. But he says it, 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 it stems from, it emerges from his blood boiling, that's Rasikha, the anger which is killed inside of him because of how much he loves his son. He loves his son so much and he's so protective of his child that if somebody goes ahead and starts messing with his child, 
he's going to lose it. He's going to lose all self-control, and he's just going to lash out. Ken Klape Mala. This is what happened to HaKadosh Baruch who says, I couldn't stand the pain that you were experiencing anymore. It was too much for, for me to tolerate. Because I care so much about you. Obviously, we're using uh, anthropomorphic terminology to go ahead and describe what God is experiencing, what he's doing, and what he's experiencing in his emotions. But that's what the, that's what Hakadosh Baruch Hu wanted to go ahead and make sure that we know before Matan Torah, before he gives us even one mitzvah, we need to be sure he wants to make sure that we are crystal clear how valuable we are to him. Ad l'shigau, to the point where he goes almost insane. Again, for God to change water into blood, that's insanity. Why would he go ahead and do this uh, this crazy miracle, which he's never done before, will never do again, because uh, to, to the mitzvah over here, what was the point? But the point is, is that he couldn't control himself. He just lashed out because he was insane from the pain of what somebody was doing to his children. Vezuha haktama. And this is the introduction to Matan Torah. The introduction to Matan Torah is not, you better do those mitzvahs, because if you don't do those mitzvahs, for you, there's going to be Gehenim, and you're going to have Tim Tumalev, and you're going to suffer, and there's going to be all sorts of bad things coming your way. All of those threats of consequences of that, that's not how HaKadosh Baruch Hu introduces us to Torah mitzvahs. HaKadosh Baruch Hu introduces us to Torah mitzvahs by saying, I love you so much, and I care about you so much, that the last time somebody messed with you, you know what happened? I lost it. I completely lost control. I overturned nature. I turned water into blood. I had frogs flying out of everything. They're in the ovens and they're in the tummies and they're everywhere you go. They were, it's like cicadas. So they were thinking there were frogs everywhere. It's like a cicada storm of frogs all over the place. I just, I, I don't know what happened. I just completely lost it. So that, he reminds us of that, so that we should never say, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he doesn't care about me. We should never say about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it must be that he doesn't care. I don't care. I went crazy last time somebody went ahead and messed with my uh, my people. I, I I did all of these uh, miracles outside of laws of nature because it bothers me so much. And you think that I don't care? You think that I'm oblivious to that and, and that I'm just, uh, uh, I, I enjoy your suffering? He says, I care more than you could ever imagine. He says, it hurt HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the very core of his being. And knowing how valuable and how cherished we are by God, this is the introduction. This is the Aleph base, but this is the Aleph of the Aleph base of Yadis. The beginning of Judaism, the foundation of everything, is to realize how cherished we are to HaKadosh Baruch how much he loves us, and how protective he is of us. We'll just do one last oath over here. And then HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, I went ahead and I lifted you up, like on the wings of eagles. Again, it's a protective thing. That's where the eagles are going to protect their young. And I brought you to me. What's that? Ze mahusa iska. He says this is the essence. It would mean this is the essence of the business, but this is the essence of what we're trying to accomplish. This is the goal. Like we talked about last week, that every businessman has to know that ultimately their goal is to make money. 
they may make money by selling this product, they'll selling that product, or providing this service, providing that service. All of that are just details. But the main purpose of that uh, of that is to to make money. That's the that's the main purpose. So the iska, this is the tachlis. This is the goal. This is what we are striving for. Lo esek shel that our relationship with Hakadosh Baruch Hu is not, should not ever revolve around reward and punishment. Do this, you'll get rewarded. Or if you don't do this, you're going to be punished. Threats of punishment is not what Hakadosh Baruch Hu wants the relationship to be. It's not a business transaction involving anything else. What is the goal? Ella The ultimate goal is for Hakadosh Baruch Hu to say, "I want to bring you closer to me." That's what Kosh Baruch Hu wants. That's what he wants out of this relationship is for Klai Yisrael to be close to him. And that's why he uses that muscle that I lifted you up on the wings of eagles. Eagles will fly, I guess, about as high as any bird is going to fly. And that is the reason why I put you on the wings of eagles as opposed to hummingbirds or robin birds or cardinal birds or whatever other bird it is, is because that is going to be the bird who's going to bring you closest to me. And that's what I want. Our only goal, the only goal and the only purpose is for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to say, I want you to be close to me, I want you to be connected with me, and that's what it's all about. And speaking of, that's what it's all about. So. <laughs> we will hold it over here for uh, for tonight. So don't forget.